Great morning, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini of the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn and Seton Hall University, class of 85. My great pleasure to be back again with you today. The purpose of our show, Thank God for Monday, is to inspire you, our listeners, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We want to provide you hope, healing, and peace in these unprecedented, turbulent, uncertain times, and motivate you to search deep inside yourself in the quest for fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you as to how you utilize the information we provide today. Take full accountability for the decisions you make and the resulting outcomes. Now, one of the goals of our show, thank God for Monday, is to introduce role models. Role models of people take very bold steps in their work lives. And this is a very special time as we are still in the month of February, Black History Month. And as such, we are honored today to have with us a most special guest. Her name is Monique L. Jones. Monique is an entertainment and pop culture writer, media critic, and TV film reviewer. She is also the author of a very timely book, The Book of Awesome Black Americans, Scientific Pioneers, Trailblazing Entrepreneurs, Barrier-Breaking Activists, and Afrofuturists. Great morning and welcome to Thank God for Monday, Monique. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for such a wonderful introduction. Ah, the honor is all ours. How do we tell the audience and me from what city and state you're speaking from this morning? Um, I'm speaking from Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, I've never been there. Here's one of those beautiful places in the country, certainly. So lucky you, that's for sure. And the weather, I'm sure, is certainly much nicer than we're having in New Jersey and New York right now. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Monique, we could spend hours talking with you on your incredible background and life. Uh, this wonderful book, The Book of Awesome Black Americans. We've only got 30 minutes. We're going to jump right into the deep end of the pool, if that's okay with you. Mm -hmm. Who, Monique, would you say is the ideal customer for this great book of yours? Um, well, I wrote it specifically um, for the person that I guess I was as a child. Um, I was someone who always researched history. I loved researching about world history, um, my own uh, Black history um, that was kind of instilled in me as a child from my parents. Um, and so I just always loved learning about who, who and what made me who I am. And uh, particularly one thing uh, that really helped me get the ideal customer for my book was thinking back to when I had to do a Black history project in middle school. And I used this resource called Africana, which is a uh, African-American, well, actually African diaspora um, encyclopedia that they had put online. It was written many, many years ago, um, I believe by W.E.B. Dubois, um, but um, it got put online in like the 90s. And so I used that 
for my research project and I would just read it just to read it. And so um, it helped me learn more about myself and it really made me uh, feel even more connected um, than I felt before. And I already felt very connected, but um, it really taught me about people and aspects I didn't know. So um, I would like for people who pick up the book to be, I would hope that there are people that are interested in Black history as a whole, but especially if you're a Black um, child, um, Black teenager, preteen, still trying to figure out who you are, I feel like my book can help guide you in the direction of figuring out who you want to be and what mark you want to make on the world. This book is so well written and the audience knows I'm a terrible reader. Unlike you who has this ferocity for reading, uh, I don't like to read. Even I could read this very easily and mm -hmm. grasp it and be inspired by it. So well done, Monique. Thank you again for being with us today. Let's peel the onion, if you don't mind, just a bit more. Why mm -hmm. is it important? We're still in Black History Month here. Why is it important? for all of us to know about Black history? Um, well, I think, uh, I think to kind of go back to the last question, I feel that even though I did have a specific person that I was, you know, the ideal person I was writing for, anybody can read this book. And I think it is educational for anybody at any um, age, any reading level, any, um, any, any, like anything. Um, and so, um, I think it's important because uh, American history is, is it owes a large debt to black society um, from the beginning um, with the fact that there was slavery. Like that is, that's not the beginning of black history, but that's the beginning of, that's part of the beginning of America. And I think to understand that and to reckon with that, um, it, it helps you understand what it means to be an American, what it means to have a, a country um, that is started in that way and how to make it a better country than how it started. Um, and you can't make America better until you realize what its roots are. Um, and I think, um, I think to put it in even more granular terms, uh, we, there's a lot of talk about therapy um, today um, in terms of the person, the individual person. Um, and you have to understand the roots of yourself in order to understand how to help heal yourself and help uh, yourself learn coping mechanisms and thing like, things like that. And I think that also applies to grand topics such as history, such as how we fix certain things going on in America, like police brutality, like economic inequality, um, homelessness, all of these ills that are going on in the country, we need to understand what the roots are and do that therapy, for lack of a better phrase, to understand what makes up the country and how to heal it. So I think overall, that's what really makes Black American history so important because it is American history. It really, really is. And I'm so happy to say during this month of February, uh, we have three shows we've dedicated to uh, Black History Month, and all of them, uh, this one in particular, inspiring, enlightening, and so, so important for us to talk about and keep going right through the end of the year. So this is not just something we will do in February, that's for sure. You researched a lot of great people for this book. Very curious, Monique. Who were some of your favorites? 
Um, I think uh, what's so interesting to me is that some of the some of my favorites are from a topic that really like makes me uncomfortable, which is talking about um, climate change and things like that, because um, it often feels. I think the the media, and I'm a media person, but I think speaking as someone in the media that the media does a pretty terrible job at instilling hope about certain things. Um, and if you're someone who's inclined to anxiety and depression and all this stuff, that can exacerbate problems. Um, and that's speaking from personal experience. <laughs> so uh, it's really frustrating to try to deal with that topic and just, since since the uh, media is often about what is negative sells more, that's what they mm -hmm. focus on. Yeah, and uh, it's really really frustrating. And I, and I say that as a journalist, like I wish if I could change that, I would change that part of my profession to focus more on the positive. And there's people that do that, but that's a whole different tangent. But um, the the part that inspires me is knowing that through my research of these particular individuals I'm going to talk about is that there is hope and there are solutions to what are really um, small problem. It's a small problem, but it has such a great impact that these people are focusing on. So like Ron Finley, uh, who's known as the, the gangster gardener, um, he, <laughs> he, uh, basically does almost like guerrilla tactics with his gardening and um, will take lots and sidewalks that aren't being used, um, all kinds of land that's not being used and just create gardens for the communities that don't have access to uh, healthy food. And, um, and I think the gangster part comes from not just the guerrilla tactics, but also that he had run-ins with the, the, um, like the city council, I believe. And so like, there were things afoot that you know people are trying to stop a good thing happening but he eventually like got the city on board and now it's like a whole citywide thing to have lots just dedicated to gardening um warren washington is a he's actually uh the person that kind of has helped us learn more about the climate and climate change in general with um his climate modeling and he's the current um, director of climate and global dynamics uh, division, the current director of the climate global dynamics division of the National Center of Atmospheric Research. Wow. And uh, Fannie Lou Hamer, who we often think of with um, civil rights and women's rights, and rightly so, um, she also focused on uh, on, on food equity with the Freedom Farm Cooperative in Mississippi that ran from like the 60s to the mid 70s. Um, oh. And it gave uh, black farmers their own land and the ability to farm their own land for their families. And really, I think what it comes down to is if we're gonna fix something big, you have to, again, you have to go to the roots of what's happening, which comes back to, um, the the inequality and the racism that is rooted in environmental injustice and really once you fix problems like food equity like pollution in cities uh, in in neighborhoods that are mostly black and brown um fix 
uh, water issues and things like that, then everything else comes together. And these people are showing that it can be done and they are doing it. And that inspires hope in me that I can do something too, as simple as making my own garden that is helping. Um, and I think one other person outside of climate stuff, um, there's, a, 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 there's a person named George B. Long who um, is part of my beauty section in the book. And um, there's this product that is in most Black American homes called Blue Magic, um, which is like a type of hair grease. And it's so much a part of our lives that we don't even think about where it comes from. And so I always wanted to know who founded this, like it's always here, so who made it? And so learning about him and how he founded his company and created this ubiquitous product that is in Black American homes was really interesting to me. And the beauty section is one of my favorite parts just because I do love beauty and art and fashion and things like that. So uh, a lot of people, but those are my favorites. This is so awesome because what a wonderful, wonderful array of incredible, awesome, as you said, right near your title, the Book of Awesome Black Americans. These are truly awesome individuals. Now, one of the perceptions I have, help us out, please, Monique, is that it seems like Birmingham, Alabama, is an important feature in the book. Mm -hmm. Do I perceive that correctly? And if so, why, please? Uh, well, I think because... Uh, well, first of all, it's where I'm from. Um, I, I mean, I always say that, I mean, technically I was born in Boca Raton, Florida, but my oh. parents, <laughs> my parents are from Birmingham, um, well, Birmingham and actually Bessemer and Greensboro, which as a whole other conversation, because Greensboro is in the Black Belt, Bessemer is in Jefferson County, which is where Birmingham is, but that's the geographical lesson that doesn't particularly pertain to this, but um the fact that they're both from Alabama, they're both from um, this state that has such a rich history um, and is particularly settling in Birmingham, coming back to Birmingham, um, of all places, uh, is really cool because there's so much history in Birmingham itself. The city itself is steeped in uh, what happened in the 60s. Like, I think I think the perception of Birmingham is that we haven't learned from our past. And what is actually the case is that there's a lot more learning that has happened that people don't realize. Um, Birmingham is uh, one of the more progressive parts of Alabama. It's like right alongside Atlanta with being progressive. Wow. Um, yes, uh, it's, um, mostly uh, a black city, it's a black run city, um, which can't be said for a, a lot of other cities in the country. Um, and uh, even with that, the fact that that happened uh, came about because um, former mayor Richard Arrington ran and uh, he ran on the, the policy of, um, of stopping police brutality because that's what that's what made him want to run um, from being a city council member to mayor. And so ever since then, we've had Black mayors and uh, just a tradition of Black people in power in the city. And that's a whole 180 from how it was in this, just in the 60s. Um, and so that's the Birmingham that I've lived in, this 
Birmingham that knows who it is, wants to celebrate its past, wants to keep learning from its past, and doesn't mind reckoning with itself um, to not go back to how it was. And that's just a Birmingham that doesn't get shown in the media at all. Um, and even above, you know, the, the so-called Mason-Dixon line, there's uh, perceptions about what Alabama as a whole is without taking into account that there are places in Alabama that are uh, understanding of what is at stake in the country. Um, so I really wanted to showcase that and just showcase my love for the city. Um, my father, who um, unfortunately died last year. Oh, um, sorry. Oh, thank you. Um, he was a huge part of the city. He was a fire chief, um, assistant fire chief for um, Birmingham. And then he went to a smaller city outside of Birmingham, but still in Jefferson County and became the, the fire chief there. And so oh. the fact that he spent so long in the city as a, uh, a civil servant, um, it really, the city became a part of our DNA really. So um, we, we know every part of the city because of him and um, it really, when I wrote the book and he was alive, I wrote a lot about him in the book, but uh, now that he's gone, it really means a lot more that he is a part of the book and that Birmingham is a part of the book. Oh, what a blessing he's been for you, for Birmingham, for the world. What a blessing you are in that oh, you're thank you. keeping that legacy going, sharing the story. And it really sounds like Birmingham is a role model for countries or cities around the country and literally around the world. So uh, kudos to you again, Monique, for this fabulous work that you're doing. Now, this book is a solid 250 pages. And you've mm -hmm. got a lot of wonderful information here, great stories. Uh, I have a feeling there might have been some people that you researched and you liked researching, but maybe could not for space reasons, other reasons, including the book. Were there mm -hmm. one or two of these individuals possible? Oh, yeah. Um, there were uh, quite a few. Um, um, one uh, was, well, there were several people that were part of the military um, and part of um, the the tradition of, of Black Americans in the armed forces that I uh, didn't get to cover because there was so much that I wanted to um, talk about uh, when it came to that and to explain um, because some, some things, um, that some people did, uh, particularly if it was in the 1800s and in the West, it was also dealing with policing, um, Native American tribes and communities. And I just, I wanted to have space to fully explain the ramifications of everything that was going on at that time. Sure. And like, I felt like I didn't have, if I did that, I would be creating a whole different book within the book. And I, um, was like, I need to cut this unfortunately um so yeah that's um most of the people were people who were in the armed forces that I cut and um I kind of hated doing that but I also only had a certain amount of time so sure you can only do what you can only do but this by itself is really a fabulous fabulous read and very educational again very inspiring now ironically this book got released in January of 2020, mm -hmm. and our audience, everyone in the world is familiar with 2020 because this was three months before the pandemic. How did the pandemic 
affect you as a writer, Monique? Uh, well, the pandemic, well, I mean, interestingly enough, I guess looking back on it now, now that um, now that I'm in my own new paradigm uh, without one parent, um, the pandemic kind of served as a way to like stop and uh, take stock of my family and, and of family time because um, at the beginning, of the pandemic, um, when everything was shut down, basically for like a year, like I, me and my sister who um, used to live outside of our family's house, uh, we came back um, and we were just all together, all my sisters and my brother and my parents were just all living in the same house. Oh, and, how wonderful. Yes, and it was just a time to, um, we were already a close family, but it was just a time to be together with family and um, some of my most prized memories now is like sitting out on the backyard doing my work or doing something um, on my computer usually and um, seeing my dad doing his gardening. I guess in the book I describe it as like he's always doing like aggressive gardening like randomly, <laughs> like always doing something in the garden and so um, just those memories of being out there while he's uh, taking plants back and forth and digging up stuff. Um, I really treasure those memories. Um, and as a person, that's how it affected me. I think as a writer, it made me um, feel, I think more mostly uh, more connected to people um, because in my line of work with uh, doing movie reviews, um, you have to either you have to go to like a movie theater to like see a screener, which is tough in Birmingham because we're not we're not a New York or a Los Angeles where there's just screeners all the time. Um, so uh, things were much more open through the Internet because people were sending out screeners more. I was able to do a lot more. Um, I was um, able to, I think, connect to people more easily. Um, through the internet. Um, but there's also a bit of isolation because there were some things I wanted to do with my book, like go on um, uh, a small tour. Um, uh, oh. and, yeah, and really like my book out there aside from doing internet uh, uh, marketing. Um, and I was only able to do like two things before uh, the world just shut down. Uh, so uh, that kind of like made me a little sad that I couldn't do what I really wanted to do. But um, I eventually was like, okay, there's still the internet. Like the world is still here. <laughs> like you can yeah. still do stuff. Um, so it was, it's a mixed bag, I think. Good times, bad times, and in between times. Sure, that's a great way to summarize it. Now, there are people like me who need to learn more about the black history and wanna learn more about black history. Possibly many people in our audience as well. You, as someone who's an expert here, Monique, how would you suggest people like me and our audience get started learning about Black history? Well, I think it's a lot easier um, than a lot of people um, think, because I know the first thing that, um, at least online, the first thing that people might say is like, well, where do I start? Uh, where do I, what do I do? But really, um, all you have to do is like, if you love something, like if there's something that you're interested in, start looking at the, the Black Americans that might have 
contributed to what you love. Like for instance, since I love movies and TV, and since I'm a journalist, um, I always look up and try to celebrate um, people that made it possible for me to do what I like to do. Um, because if it wasn't for a lot of those people, um, I wouldn't be able to uh, do that. Um, and I think if there's something that you're really interested in, like sports or medicine or whatever it is, um, then that's a, a quick way to like start learning about the history of your preferred topic. Um, also, just by watching uh, television and movies that give you a different outlook at uh, life, um, give you a different outlook on people that you think are so different than you, and you can learn that there's a lot of similarities. Um, uh, there's, there's not a lot that's different than us aside from skin color. Um, and once you like really immerse yourself in movies and television, um, then you can start seeing that there are like, there, there are a lot of things that can be celebrated about um, Black Americans, Black American history, um, a lot of things that go by the wayside um, for uh, a lot of reasons. Um, and just, I think it also just makes you more empathetic to others. Um, if you sympathize with someone that you don't see um, often on, uh, on screen and like you understand them as a human being, um, then you start thinking, well, I need to understand my neighbors more, my friends more, um, people in my life more that this person represents. Um, so I think it's really easier than a lot of people think. It's just having the, the will to want to engage in being a human, really. I know myself, I need to be much more intentional about getting to know Black history a lot better. And those are steps that I need to, to take, certainly, and probably many of our listeners as well. Time is getting short, sadly, Monique, but I still have a couple important questions to ask you if that's okay. Mm -hmm. You work as an entertainment writer at Shadow and Act, Common Sense Media, and other outlets. But you also have your own outlet called Just Add Color. Mm -hmm. You have a love of history. How does entertainment intersect? with this wonderful love of history you have? Well, I think um, it intersects because there's a lot in American history that ties into the entertainment industry. Um, like one thing that I've written many times before is that uh, the entertainment industry in America, the blockbuster movie was basically started from the birth of a nation, which is a movie about the Ku Klux Klan. And oh. so like we have to reckon with the fact that our big entertainment industry was started from a supremacist ideal like that. Wow. Um, and yeah, and so um, for me, I think that's like the big example of where uh, American history and entertainment intersects and why I feel like it's really important to know um, where certain things that are in like historical propaganda, um, certain stereotypes and tropes, um, like how they made their way into entertainment and into how we see characters on screen. Um, there's been a lot of movement 
uh, towards more representation and more meaningful, uh, more meaningful characters on screen um, to counteract like the years and years of reinforcing these stereotypes and tropes. Um, but I think that it is very important to understand where that comes from. And that's often rooted in political discourse and social discourse and um, laws from the past and just ideas of, of humanity in the past. So it's important to know all of these things in order to understand why you see a, a Black person on screen doing what they're doing and if it's right or not. Wow. Oh, that's fascinating. Now, you've accomplished so much in your life, Monique, certainly. So this is more of a hypothetical question. But if you were to write a sequel to Awesome Black Americans, are there one or two people you'd want to cover? Um, yes. Uh, I would like to cover, um, well, I guess, as I said, the, the armed forces I would really like to cover um, because uh, my my dad um, was someone who was really interested in um, the army. Uh, at one point, he wanted to be in the army or or you know in the air force when he was in college. But oh. um, and and even that story kind of has a tinge of how racism infiltrates everything because he was told he couldn't be in it for some medical reason that was just made up, oh, just so that they sheesh. wouldn't yeah, just so that he wouldn't be in it. But um, he eventually like found his place with the fire department and they kind of run like a military. So um, he was very happy with that, but um, he always loved watching things about, um, about the army and about um, campaigns. Um, and so he really, uh, he, he really would have loved to have, he loved my book as it was, um, but I think he would have also liked to have seen a book about um, that side of Black history. Um, that was one of the things that he wanted me to write about at some point. So I think um, now that he's gone, I think that that's what that's what my next book might be. Um, Last question is always the most important, Monique. From where can our loyal listeners purchase the book of Awesome Black Americans? How can they best follow you? Um, you can purchase the book of Awesome Black Americans from uh, Amazon, um, from other online retailers, other online books, bookstores. Um, you can also uh, check out your local bookstore in person, um, and it should be there. If it's not, you can request it. Um, uh, it's also available on ebook, um, Kindle, um, audiobook. Uh, so there's a myriad of ways to get it. And uh, you can contact me uh, either through Twitter. I'm at MoniqueBlogNet on Twitter. Um, I'm ColorWebMag on Instagram and ColorWebMag on Facebook. Terrific. Listeners, no excuse. Yes, we are toward the end of Black History Month, but let's keep the momentum going all year. Let's pick up this book, one for yourself, pick up a couple for friends. Because again, this is so revealing. It's so inspiring. We need to educate ourselves, regardless if we're black, white, whatever, brown, no matter who we are, this is the kind of book 
that will really impact our lives in a very positive and a very motivating way. So pick up a couple of copies, share the good. And once you've done that and you've followed uh, Monique, don't forget, please, team, uh, we've got our Twitter, we've got our Facebook, and now even Instagram, LinkedIn, and our newest is the Tiki Taki. Don't hesitate to follow us. Questions, comments, concerns, suggestions. We love, love, love to hear from you. Monique L. Jones, author of this great book, The Book of Awesome Black Americans, Scientific Pioneers, Trailblazing Entrepreneurs, Barrier-Breaking Activists, and Afrofuturists. We can't thank you enough for gracing our airwaves here at WSOU and thank God for Monday today. As I've said during the interview, you've enlightened us much more you've inspired us. Continue joy, success in this great work that you're doing. Good luck, certainly, if you do uh, decide to proceed with a second book. I'm sure it'd be fascinating and revealing and enlightening and inspiring, certainly. So all the best moving forward in your continued great efforts. Thank you. Listeners, guess what? Once again, we're out of time. Greg saying our hope and prayer is that when you wake up on Monday morning, just like Monique does, you'll say, thank God for Monday. We'll see you next week for yet another episode of Thank God for Monday. Until then, have a great week, everyone.